I'm very excited to share this recording with you guys, which happened at our conference, sasopen.com, with over 100 speakers, all founders of B2B SaaS companies. We have a very high bar for what speakers share on stage, so you're going to enjoy this episode where we dive deep into revenue graphs, real tactics, and real growth metrics. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. So 30 years in subscription software business experience. CEO twice, head of marketing sales, services, and customer success five times. Um, two total burndowns that we return pennies on the dollar, five exits, um, three strategic, one, I'm sorry, two strategic, two private equity, and one IPO. So um, I've got a lot of scars of what I did wrong. So I created this company to try to show how metrics can help inform your decisions and your journey, coupled with using external benchmarks kind of say, how am I doing against companies like mine? Because so many of the benchmarks out there today are too generic. What you want to know is for a $5 million company with a 25 ACV product with a sales-led motion, selling to enterprise customers, what should my CAC payback period be, right? That's more important than CAC payback period should be 12 months. Like, why? So here we go. So over the next, using Nathan's framework, over the next 20 minutes, I'm going to talk about the five key pillars of enterprise value and the metrics that are part of those that's going to drive the most enterprise value return for you and for your shareholders. We're going to talk about those efficiency metrics, the top five, and then we're going to talk about the benchmarks for each of those. Now, these benchmarks are about nine months old. We're doing our 2023 benchmarking as we speak, so in late April, I'll be publishing the latest six months of benchmarks so that they're really current, because Q4, 22, and Q1, 23 are going to change a lot of those efficiency benchmarks. So let's start with section one. I'm just going to get right into it. We had to, when we created this benchmark index, we had to create a framework that took all those metrics we talk about, CAC payback period, net revenue retention, and how do they drive enterprise value to the question over here earlier. So we broke them down into actually five enterprise pillars of value. One is capital efficiency. And by the way, you'll get these slides. You can also go to revopsquare.com and get all of this. This is what I call my um, SaaS performance metrics framework. So capital efficiency. This is what you, as a CEO, if you're bootstrapped, or your investors are going to want to know. For every dollar I'm putting into your company, how is it providing enterprise value? Second, at the bottom, operational efficiency. How efficiently am I running my operations? What's my gross margin? for subscriptions, for services? What's my sales and marketing as a percentage of revenue? These are all operational efficiency metrics that investors really care about. An example, biggest SaaS company, Salesforce, right? Their sales and marketing expense to revenue four months ago, 46%, with a 17% um, growth. So now they're at 36%. Why? Because investors said your sales and marketing expenses are way too high. They were not operationally efficient when it came to growing revenue from new customers and existing. 
And then you have to look at the three motions that impact revenue. So you look at what are the metrics that measure customer acquisition, customer retention, and customer expansion. And when somebody says, well, it's all about customer expansion day, and you ask them, how do I measure the efficiency of my customer expansion motion? How much money do I need to spend to get a million or $5 million of revenue from my existing customer? Most people are not effectively measuring customer expansion efficacy. So what I did is I took all those pillars of value and kind of created this, where do they overlap? So these are the five, actually it's six, metrics and benchmarks we're gonna talk about today. Number one, rule of 40. And we'll talk about how that drives enterprise value, but it's now the number one SaaS metric as correlated to enterprise value in the next 12 months revenue. A year ago, it was number five. Growth is still number two, but balanced growth with profitability is number one. We're going to talk about the CAC payback period, the CAC ratio. CAC ratio to me is superior to the rule of 40. Why? I'm sorry, the SaaS magic number. Why? Because you can measure how much sales and marketing investment you need to make for $1 of new name ARR and how much sales and marketing customer success investment I'm making to get $1 of expansion. CLTV to CAC ratio, important, but not until you're a little bit bigger. If someone says, I'm concerned about your CLTV to CAC ratio at a million dollars, you need to wonder why you're working with that person because it's pretty meaningless, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Um, net and gross dollar retention, or some people outside of the US call it gross revenue retention or net revenue retention, and then of course your CARR growth. Okay, I'm going right into the meat of it, CAC payback period. So this looks at how, when you invest sales and marketing dollars to get new ARR, and it's new, it's not new plus expansion. Um, CAC payback period is all about new ARR. So it looks at your, how much sales and marketing investment you're making divided by how much new ARR times your gross margin for the subscription. CAC payback period should always be a gross margin adjusted calculation. So why did I show this? Because you can go onto the internet, you can go to the SAS CFO, you go to RevOps Squared, or the SAS metric standards board to see the standard calculation for all of these SAS metrics we're talking about today. You can do the calculation for yourself. The question is, what does it tell me? So these are the latest benchmarks for CAC payback period, and these are segmented by ACV. Because whether you're a $5 million ARR SAS company or 20, that has a lot less correlation to CAC payback period than the size of your average annual contract value. If you're a 5K product, right, you're gonna have a much shorter, and if you're a 100K product, you're gonna have a much longer. So what this shows you, I'm not gonna read it all to you right now, but the middle point is the median. At the end of the bottom of the bar, it's the um, 25th percentile, and at the top, it's 75th percentile. So what you can see here is if you're a one to 5K product, you've heard 12 months for CAC payback period. We've been talking 12 months for five years. That's the only time 12 months is kind of at the middle, your average, right? Because if you're at the um, 100K or greater, CAC payback period, 22 months at median. Why? Because it has much more of that enterprise motion and it's okay that it takes almost two years to pay that back. Right now, as far as the latest benchmarks, 
I've, done, I've looked at about 20 companies, so it's not statistically significant. It's decreased about 15% so far in the first two months of um, 23, but it's so small data set. I can't say that's going to be consistent. And why? Because people have reduced their sales and marketing expenses, so the CAC payback period is starting to compress. So before I go on for CAC payback period, any questions about CAC payback period? Understand it? So one of the top, top five. Um, the only reason I show this, it's by ARR, right? You'll see that there's a lot more consistency on the ARR side, except when you hit kind of 10 to 15 million, it gets more difficult to acquire new customers. Why? You've hit the cream of the crop. Now you might be getting those early majority buyers. If you look at the crossing the chasm technology lifecycle adoption curve. So you'll see your CAC efficiency actually go down starting usually at 7, 10, 15 million. And it takes a while to get that back down. Why? You're often also entering new markets. Oh, I was really good in the commercial marketplace, but I got to go up market to the enterprise. And that inherently is going to decrease the efficiency of CAC, which is why any of these metrics I'm talking about, once you get to 10 million, measure them by cohort. Know your enterprise customer acquisition efficiency versus your commercial remit market versus SMB. Because if not, you're going to enter an enterprise and your CAC payback period just went from eight to 15 months and your investors are like, why in the hell did that happen? Oh, it happened because I'm investing so much in this early stage of the enterprise that it makes it look worse on a blended basis, but my mid-market's still very good. It's still at eight months. Make sense? Okay. CAC ratio. How many people have heard of CAC ratio before? Okay. How many people use magic number as your revenue efficiency metric? Nobody. So CAC ratio has three versions. One is the blended CAC ratio. And blended CAC ratio is I take my total fully loaded sales and marketing expenses and I divide it by the amount of new customer ARR plus existing customer expansion ARR. So that $1.33 you see at the median to the far right, in 2022, companies were investing about $1.33 of sales and marketing expense fully loaded, that means comp, benefits, everything, to get $1 of new or expansion ARR. So if someone says, well, we've got to grow 5 million this year, it's like, well, 5 million times 133, it's going to be about $6.5 million, right, that I need to invest in sales and marketing if that's my historic CAC ratio. What's magic number? Magic number is the... Um, <laughs> Number one is the inverse. So it takes um, current quarter revenue, total revenue, or ARR, subtract previous quarter, ARR. What that means is factoring in churn, down sales, new plus expansion, and you divide it by sales and marketing expenses. So it's just the inverse of this. However, the beauty of the CAC ratio, oops, if I can. The new CAC ratio. New is very different than the SAS magic number. New looks at how much sales and marketing expense did I invest to pursue new customer logos 
in ARR from those new customers. So you see it's much higher. It's $1.58 because it's harder to just grow ARR from new customers. But if you go to expansion CAC ratio, which is organic expansion, so if you have a, a usage-based pricing or PLG, but it's more upsells, cross-sells, where you actually have a sales-led motion, look at that median, 69 cents. So if you measure, and we'll, well, let you ask a question. If we measure expansion CAC ratio now, it's like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe I should put a little bit more money in the upsell, cross-sell motion. Maybe I should have sent SDRs to go into existing accounts and identify that cross-sell opportunity because I know I can grow more effectively. The biggest question is, how in the heck do I know how much money I'm investing towards customer expansion versus new name customer? Because it's like I got one demand gen person and my salespeople do both, right? So there's no perfect model. So don't let perfect get in the way of good enough. One of the things you can do is just do a time study. Just ask your customer success team, how much time do you spend on onboarding engagement versus kind of trying to identify upsell, cross-sell? Ask your AE, how much time are you spending with existing customers on cross-sell, upsells? And I'll say, oh, I'm spending about 30% of my time. That's good enough to start until you get enough scale where you might have dedicated people who do growth marketing, where you have an account management team for upsell, cross-sell motion. Any question about new or expansion CAC ratio? Um, it depends on your ACV, but you should always do this on a rolling basis. We recommend one, three, six, 12 months rolling. You will see some anomalies. If you are selling 25K and above product and you get that well that comes in for 200K, you're gonna see an anomaly if it's in one quarter. So that's why we kind of recommend 12 month rolling. Ben, would you agree on that? 12 month rolling? Yeah, definitely every month rolling and then I line it to the sa your average sales cycle. And by the way, on sasmetricsboard.com, which is a standard setting body, there's these recommendations on how to measure it, but also timing of that. What was that uh, figure in 2022? $133? $1.33 of sales and marketing expense for every dollar of ARR. Is this valuable so far? Yeah. Okay, gross dollar retention or gross revenue retention. We know what that is. It looks at a cohort of customers from a year ago and what was their ARR, and now you look at it and say, oh, what's the ARR from that same cohort of customers, excluding, excluding upsells, cross-sells, or expansion. So you just wanna see how they're performing without buying more product. So typically you'll see a median somewhere around that 85, 86, 87%, and it's really important if you, in any of these metrics, know how you're calculating them, and make sure your investors understand. But the best practice for gross revenue retention is you only measure it for that cohort of customers that actually had an availability to renew. So ATR is what you hear it referred to as. So if you have in Q1, you had 80% of your customers that were available to renew, those are the 80% of customers you use for this calculation. If you've got 20% of your customers on two and three year contracts and they're not available to renew, it actually biases your gross dollar retention number. Any questions on that? Net dollar retention or net revenue retention. The difference here is it takes that same cohort of customers from a year ago, and now it includes not only churn and down sales, but any expansion, upsells, cross sells, organic expansion. 
And by the way, you'll see the median here. And you might say, whoa, whoa, Ray, what are you talking about? Snowflake's 168%. That's best in class. Or Twilio's 154% net retention. Do not benchmark yourself against companies that have a different pricing model. If a company has usage-based pricing in the enterprise, and they kind of use that hyper lands and expand, it's a free product until you start using it and then you pay, that's how a Snowflake or a Twilio gets a 150, 168%. If you're a true annual subscription, seat-based or whatever other, you are going to be more in that 104 to 110%, especially early on. So never benchmark yourself against a company that doesn't share your company profile attributes. It makes you feel bad, and it's misleading. Any question about net revenue retention? Um, the answer is hybrid, no. You should look, if you can benchmark, for people who have both. In fact, our benchmarks that we're just doing right now has purely um, subscription, purely usage-based pricing, or hybrid. Ben, are we done? Okay. CLTV to CAC, customer lifetime value to CAC. Number one, it's very important that you know how to calculate this because it factors in multiple variables. Not only your customer acquisition cost, but also your churn rate, also your gross margin. If you haven't had at least one, but more and more appropriately, two renewal cycles, this is a meaningless metric. Why? Because you really don't know what your churn rate is. I was talking to a founder the other day, and he's like, I have like a 28 CLTV to CAC. And you can see that kind of four is the median. It used to be three, now it's four. I said, well, can you tell me a little bit about your business model? He goes, yeah, you know, here's who we sell to, and everything we do is a three-year contract. They've been in business for two and a half years. <laughs> it's like, well, you, what's your churn rate? He was like, well, like less than 1%. It's like, oh, so you had somebody cancel early, right? So really understand that customer lifetime value to CAC is only meaningful after you've had some real subscription renewal periods. Any question on CLTV to CAC? You see the benchmarks? If someone tells you three, it's like, what are you, from 2015? It's an old benchmark. It really is. Okay, rule of 40. So rule of 40, um, once again, it's on the SAS Metrics Board website. So how do you measure this? It's your top line revenue, and it can be gap revenue if you're a public company, or it can be ARR. Plus, EBITDA is the most common for smaller companies because people know what their EBITDA margin is, right? For larger companies, it's free cash flow percentage. So you take top line revenue, and you add your EBITDA, and what they're saying is that should be 40 or above. This is. 15 years we've been using this metric for, for SaaS investors. I'm going to show you in a minute why it's so important to enterprise value in 2023, or in 2022 it wasn't. As a smaller company, do you see the rule 40 over there? See how high it is? You're like, how in the hell? Nobody's at 66%. Why? Because when you're a million-dollar company, you're probably growing 300 to 200%, right? And you will have a, maybe a negative, a negative EBITDA of 40, 50, 60% bootstrapped or um, equity funded. So the hardest part is once you get to that 5, 10, 15 million, your efficiency goes down. So be prepared for that. Okay, one minute. This, you also have the slides. 
all these metrics aren't the same importance while you're scaling. So you'll see right here, the check mark is you should be considering them. You should start considering instrumenting your source transactional systems, your subscription billing or your CRM. And then the check plus is you should be using these, decision, um, these metrics to inform your decision making. And what's very important, and I know I got like less than a minute, the framework that I showed you up front, create your own performance metrics framework. What are those three to five lagging indicators that your investors are really care about? It's the five I probably talked about. And then what are the leading indicators that directly impact that? Things like CAC payback period. It's going to be sell cycle time. It's going to be your ACV, and it's going to be your win rate. Those are three of the primary leading indicators that's going to impact your CAC payback period. Sales and marketing as a percent of revenue is probably a fourth. So build your own metrics framework, starting with lagging indicators, the top top ones that drive enterprise value, and then the leading indicators. In your head of sales, your head of marketing, your head of product should have objectives that are measurable that link to these. And if you have a North Star metric, understand how your North Star metric impacts one of these enterprise value creating metrics. And make sure everybody in your company understands that. Like DocuSign, it was number of e-signatures, right? That drove um, usage, it drove um, the size of revenue, subscriptions. Okay, and the last one. Um, R-squared factor, it's a measure of correlation. And you, uh, it's a eye chart, but just look at the um, last one that I have. Rule of 40 is about 0.3. It actually went down in the last three weeks, and growth is 0.38. So do not be fooled that growth isn't still being rewarded by the public markets and by private investors. But you can see how um, rule 40 went all the way up to a 0.44. R squared can be between 0 and 1.0. So 44% of enterprise value to next 12-month multiples can be explained by rule 40 versus revenue growth. And with that, if you want to participate in the industry's largest benchmarking program, it's just been kicked off. We're doing it with like 12 partners like Sage Intact, uh, Maxio, SAS Optics, et cetera. You can participate. And it's 100% anonymous in value to you. By participating, you get free access to this inter interactive portal so you can see how your metrics measure up to your cohort. With that, I'm done. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Ray.